This is Short-Term High Volatility Investments brought to you by 137 p.m. I am one of your co-hosts, The Odds Fellow, on Twitter. You can see that in the screen right there. But joined to me, maybe my left, your right, I don't know what side you're looking at. The better half of the Sheesby Brothers, Sharky Waters Nation. I respect and love this man. He's great to interact with. He's a great personality, gambling, Twitter, and beyond. Co-host of a daily NBA pick show with Jay Money. You can find that on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, host of a college football preview show that he does every Friday night at 9 p.m. when the season gets rolling. And most importantly, maybe host of some of the best live life chats available on Twitter that you can get, right? So it's beyond the sports, beyond the lifestyle. But he is at Sharks and Sports on Twitter. One word, you can find him there. Graham, Shark, why don't you introduce yourself to the people, the listeners of 1.37 p.m. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And of course, my brother, old man who bets, just got off right. a flight in Montana, living that lifestyle. This lifestyle, nine words of lifestyle, ride the way we got to the water. Thanks for having me, Ant. Eight game card in the NBA today. We're at the middle of the NBA. Finally, we've been saying this all fall football. Get out of the way. We want to talk about some sports that we really love and care about. Of course, I'm from New York City originally. The hat is a shout to the Knicks as a fan. This is not a buy hat for tonight's environment at Philadelphia. A lot going on here. Ant, lead the way. Let's get into this one. Let's go. One of the things I wanted to leave with before we go into the eight game card, we're going to go through every game, some quicker than others. Then we're going to turn our attention to a little Thursday through Saturday. Look ahead. I'm going to ignore Sunday. We'll get into why that stuff is important, but why it's also challenging. Again, the live stream today, you guys sharing this, enjoying this, interacting with us in the chats today. We'll really enjoy the Wednesday card, the Wednesday breakdown, the Wednesday picks. The look ahead spots are for those listeners that might be listening to the podcast on Thursday through the weekend or you know catching up on the live stream video. Uh, on YouTube. So again, look, find us, follow us on Twitter. We'll both be releasing and doing other stuff. But look, where I wanted to start before we go into the eight games, and you mentioned this, I think on the show with Jay recently, and I, and I loved it because it hit home with me, but I want you to explain it to the listeners. You said March itself is pure from an NBA environment standpoint, something you've enjoyed handicapping over the years. And I wanted to ask why, so you could explain that to the people of why it's important. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm not going to say anything that's life changing here, but the more information you have in a calendar year for a sport, the easier it is to cap. Of course, there there are two sides to this. When books get more information, theoretically, they're going to sharpen up the lines. But those sharp lines will have exploitability. And we talk about this all the time. The key, key point in capping pro sports, NBA basketball specifically, when you go from home to road between the same two teams, you should see a stock three-point gap adjusted for just a neutral average and then home to road. But you do see this all the time. It will not be three. It will be four. It will be seven. That tells you a story. You can really track it. And when you get second, third, and fourth matchups of the year, you can really see all the results prior as finals and where the line came in. And it just tells you a really good story. And this is very similar to November and December, too, as you get second and third matchups. The NBA calendar is scheduled in a unique way. I don't entirely know why they do it. But a lot of times teams will play three or four games early season against each other, and that's it for the year. And then it resets in January. It's kind of the second round of the whole thing. Now you're starting to see teams, again, play second and third matchups. All of them are highly data abundant, and it's really transparent to look at. We're going to have two official plays today. And, of course, we're going to talk about a couple more plays for the rest of the week here. That's right. So let's start with the, one of the officials. We are going, I'm going to toss this right to you. You know, this is the Pacers versus the Magic. I want to know if this is a revenge spot or are you just targeting a team that might be in the happiest place on earth built by Walt Disney himself? Like what's bringing you to the table here? Well, you know, comically, I wasn't even going to look at this game. And we talk about backwood <laughs> games and games that are very unimportant. The, the, the pure stay away when you look at the, the the teams, the records, the rosters. Precisely. And, you know, we talk about this on, on our show daily. 
Uh, people don't want to go to these games, but oftentimes they are the most exploitable games because younger players, guys have more to prove. There's a little bit more of an emotional environment there. You see the older guys just oftentimes autopiloting and being on razor sharp lines. When you really go into this environment, I'm on 120 money line officially. For those of you guys watching right now, we'll be on there at five o'clock as well. Um, you're looking at a double revenge game. You're looking at a unique environment, which is some of the best stuff to cap in basketball. When a team plays two straight games against the same opponent in the same gym, they remember it. It happened two days ago. We just lost. We just got insulted. It was 119 to 103, an absolute blowout loss. Uh, it was situational, though. Uh, Indiana was coming off a big home win against Boston. It was road game one. Uh, their leader, probably their best player, Malcolm Brogdon, did not play. And Orlando really outliered the game. Of course, to win by 16 on a two and a half is, a, is an outlier versus the actual Vegas number. But a lot of things were just going on here. Uh, Indiana got out-rebounded by an insane margin by an Orlando team that does not out-rebound anybody. And I was talking to my man Punt Squad Australia last night. We were capping the game at 4 in the morning. He was saying, this is absolutely egregious. Orlando does not do this against anybody. I don't know what happened. If it was just an energy that Indiana did not bring to the game, they just played an abysmal four-quarter basketball game offensively and defensively. And you really start to go through the numbers. It's actually a double revenge game. Indiana did lose 119-118 at home to Orlando, only going back about five or six games. Indiana was favored by three and a half points there. The previous game that we we're just discussing was Orlando minus two and a half. Of course, that's a six gap. As I said, it should be three. So it was showing strength to Orlando. Now in the same environment, they open up the number at minus one and a half, and it's getting steamed almost exclusively by sharp action overnight to Indy. And you talk about just pure motivation in the game. Of course, these are not playoff teams. Indiana is not going to want to get swept by Orlando in this particular NBA season. You get the motivation, you get the number. It's a great spot. I'm officially on my minus 120 money line here tonight. Yeah. No, I love that. I was actually on the Magic the other day, two days ago, in this matchup. I think I grabbed it at two or two and a half before it steamed back up to three. So you even had that movement in that environment moving even further, which speaks even more to where that flip is right now, right? With it opening Indiana, minus one and a half. I'm already seeing the minus two. So love that. Probably going to be on that one with you. Um, let's jump to the Hornets and the Cavs. This is an interesting matchup for me because I really want to take the Cavs. They've lost two in a row here. Um you know, or sorry, they've won two in a row in this matchup actually uh, against the Hornets and the Hornets just don't look right. But what's throwing me off and I want to get your take on this too, is the uncertainty with Garland, you know, the key point guard, the guy that really stirs the drink right for the Cavs. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries at the point guard position and the shooting guard position. They've had guys shuffling in and out of there like Rajon Rondo. He's also out tonight. Right now, Garland is a game-time decision. I'd love to gobble up the minus four and get Garland in there, but is that too much of a risk, right? Roster ambiguity is one thing we talk about a lot, and it's tough here to take them and back them, even though you want to in this spot, without Garland. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this all the time. The Cavaliers are one of the biggest surprises, if not the biggest surprise in this entire season. They were not projected to be even this close to this record at all. But the point guard situation is highly problematic. You got three trees, but you got nobody that can distribute the ball. And of course, Darius Garland out of, out of Vanderbilt, top five pick a couple years ago. I mean, the guy is far better than people expected him to be. He's been playing great basketball all year, both distributing and shooting the ball. I think he's just got a good mental makeup to lead a team as well as a young guy. Uh, they miss him immensely. But again, Charlotte on the other side of this is showing absolute crater zone environment here. Uh, they were very hot early season, and I think we talk about this all the time. A lot of teams are definitely hot and cold with the three ball, and that will lead them to clustered wins and clustered losses. 
Charlotte, for about 25, 30 games, was top three in the league in three-point field goal percentage. They've dropped down to sixth now. Fairly large gap. And you see these, these games where they just purely can't shoot. They can't inspire. They really can't do anything. The home team this season between these two teams, this is the fourth matchup, is 0-3 ATS. So theoretically, forgetting even just who, who's playing, a home team should cover a game between a team or between two teams playing four times in one season. That would lead me to Cleveland. We talk about this all the time. Cleveland has been over-adjusted. Go back to early season, the Hornets were laying three points in Cleveland. Now they're getting three. So the books have adjusted to Cleveland's quality. They haven't been able to cover these numbers at a big adjustment point, but most of those were 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12. I think even though they are they are adjusted here and they are favored, they might be able to get there because this is just short enough on it. I want to take Cleveland here. I, I'm not messing with Charlotte at all. I also think when you look at what's going on uh, in terms of the last matchup, obviously Charlotte did get them by one outright at home. You get a revenge game. You get a lot of motivation here, but it's a tough spot. And, right, uh, it's right. Yeah, I still want to back the bigs. You mentioned the trees. I mean, Mobley has been so exciting to watch. Probably rookie of the year, right? Uh, hands down there. But just looking at Charlotte, you know, they did have a decent game back on February 25th. They beat the Raptors. Finally, smacked somebody around 125 to 93. Then they follow that up with a letdown loss. Uh, it might have been an overtime against the Pistons, but a loss nonetheless by one. A beatdown against the Bucks, 130 to 106. And now they come marching in here to Cleveland. So yeah, I think it's Cleveland or bust. Uh, let's look for that Garland news might be good to grab a little bit at the minus four and see if that number moves up later on, but nothing official, but let's go to another not official, but game that I'm interested to hear your take. You got the hat on the Knicks and 76ers. This one was a little bit ugly the other night, right? Uh, these two teams played, I think the, the last matchup for both of them just, uh, two or three days ago, 125, 109 victory at the garden. Now they flip it back over to Philly. One thing I wanted to mention here is this lineup, right? Harden and Embiid. They've only played together two games against Minnesota, against the Knicks. Not defensive showstoppers here. But I heard this on the low post, a Zach Lowe NBA podcast I love listening to. Joel Embiid and Harden in 53 minutes have a plus 47. I think I want to get the number right here. I'm scrolling over. Plus 46 point differential, and they've attempted 80 free throws. Are the Knicks stopping that tonight? I think, you know, when you look at this game, obviously James Harden coming over here at two games, sample, as you said, has been very efficient, very, very efficient. But when you really look to cap this game, you have to go through the numbers. Uh, early season, we had had this officially for the Knicks to get off what was really an elongated losing streak against right. the yeah, They had lost like 15 in a row or something. Yeah prior to the first game this season. They did get there at home. And then that was a, actually a very strong number for the Knicks on that particular day. Knicks were favored by one point after losing 15 in a row. And that's a snapshot. People don't don't follow me on Twitter, but just very transparent stuff. Generally, the public angle to games is to look at recency bias and then Absolutely. just say basically that's going to automatically repeat itself. And the biggest example of that would be a team that's beaten a team 15 times in a row. That's just clearly that, that's what they do. Then all of a sudden they're an underdog. So you're like, wait, they're an underdog? but they've won 15 in a row. So that, that should open up your eyes to a little bit of sharp capping there. And, of course, the Knicks did get there. Then the Knicks laid two points on the road in an even stronger Knicks environment in the next one. And then it jumped all the way back to Philly minus 7.5, which was extremely strong. Matt and A last weekend, and they did get there in the fourth quarter and won the game by 16 points. But here's where the, the problem exists. You go seven and a half on the road, you come in at 10 and a half at home, three points. Stock average. It's going to be razor sharp. You get the Knicks revenge game. Knicks have been lackluster. And again, Knicks are not going to the playoffs. 
but the Knicks are playing young guys. R.J. Barrett is really showing he could be a leader and a top, top all-star player in this league for the next 15 years. It's going to be razor sharp. I want to take the Knicks just to hover, but I don't think you can get there with the Knicks tonight. Yeah, another interesting angle in this game, because I know when you look at your numbers, you think about this too, is just the total, right? So now it opens at 223. It kind of went soaring over um, 234, mostly obviously damage done by the Philadelphia 76ers scoring 125 points. But that was 130, that was sorry, 234 points on a 219. Now the number comes up four points. Do you think that over under it is worth looking at? Did that over move enough for you? Or I still personally lean under a little bit. Um, but again, I think just razor sharp, tough to take. I agree. I mean, I think uh, one of the key points here is you have to look at both the line and the result. Obviously, the previous one ended up, uh, I believe, what, 125, 109? Correct. And yep. Now it's moving up. But the line here is less than the previous result drastically. So that's where you ultimately kind of get what you would assume to be a very sharp merge line. They're moving it up, but they're not moving it up over that total. Uh, for me to take it over here, I would honestly need the line to be somewhere around 228 or higher. I think this is right. still short. I think it's still yeah. short. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Like I said, a little lean for the under for me, but but tough to back. You might get better things in game, especially with totals and trends moving so much. So let's jump to another one now. We're going to start getting into some of the Western Conference games here. Uh, I believe this is an official, my friend. So let's get back into the official business here. I'm going to toss it to you for the Sacramento Kings against the New Orleans Pelicans. Absolutely. Winning Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Right. Locker room. Smoothie King Center. Uh, I'm on New Orleans Pelicans minus five overnight, minus six official here. Uh, we're looking at a lot of stuff here. This is a very similar spot to the Pacers. Uh, this is a double revenge game. Kings did get them twice early season. We talk about this all the time. The Pelicans early season were not the Pelicans of March 2nd, 2022. This team is rebooted, revamped, refocused, and reconnected. And you look at what's going on here, you get a great, great line number. Early season when Sacramento did win on the road in the Smoothie King Center, 113-109, they were laying one point. Then they came home and caught the Pelicans on the West Coast. Again, one should go to four. It was six. Strong Sacramento. They did win the game, 112-99, mostly in the fourth quarter on what was a third and four back-to-back for Sacramento on that given day. So now you go all the way from Sacramento minus six to New Orleans minus five, an 11-point gap. And you just look at what New Orleans is doing here. We talk about this all the time. New Orleans and the Spurs, and probably more so New Orleans now with C.J. McCollum paired with Brandon Ingram, can really make a push here. They're in the playoffs if it started today. It's Lakers nine. It's Pelicans ten. I think I think the Pelicans want to push to nine to host that game. I think that obviously the eight seed is a little bit further away. The Clippers are two games over five hundred. But I mean, this is a team that is just not representative of their actual record. They're far far better than that. And you look at what the Kings are doing here. The Kings are coming in here the third game of road trip. They're two and zero ATS on this trip so far. Off an outright blowout win. It's a crater zone spot. It's a great number. Double revenge where the Pelicans want to clean them up. I think the Pelicans win this game by ten plus. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the, these teams still moving in different directions to some degree. You know, the the Kings most recently did get it done against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, but they had to come roaring back in the second half. Um, CJ McCollum, I think, has completely changed the game here, you know, from a uh, behavioral standpoint, a leadership standpoint in the Pelicans locker room. He's calling out Zion. He's getting it done. 
Um, so I, I love that spot. Look, another official from the Shark. Let's switch gears to another West Coast game. Uh, I don't have much on this one, so I'm curious to hear your take. The Jazz Rockets, this is one of your massive spreads of the night, just with, again, two teams going in complete opposite different directions. Uh, Jazz minus 15 total right now sitting around 228.5. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, again, we talk about this all the time. These numbers, these high numbers are tough to cap. But if you start to go through what the Jazz have done against the Rockets this year, two complete blowouts. The most recent one by, I believe, 34 points. I mean, just obliteration. And you find the Rockets here on a third and four back-to-back. They just played two straight against the Clippers. Did not cover last night. Covered the previous one. I don't have actual stats on the Rockets' specific ATS efficiency in third and four back-to-back final legs. But I can tell you it's not very good. Uh, This is a very standard line. The last game they did play was in Utah. Utah was at 12 and a half there. Um, This comes in at a reasonable figure. Or excuse me, no, I'm misspeaking. It was 15 and a half Utah at home. This opened at 12 and a half on the road. It's getting steamed up. I'm not entirely sure the market split here. I don't think the public necessarily leans to back a team like the Rockets at 15 and 46 straight up. But I also don't know if the public is really thrilled with pounding a team laying 13, 14, or 15 points. I didn't look at the market. I think that's an interesting thing to discuss. But this is definitely a Utah side if you had to take anything here. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up some splits, at least on the Action Network. I don't always know the accuracy of these things because you can get the data in some different places. But right now, it's saying from a side standpoint, you're looking at about 75% of the bets driving 79% of the money, 25% of the bets driving 21% of the money on the 15 on the rock on the plus side with the rocket. So public still, at least Action Network wise, data wise, seems to be backing the Jazz. But you know, like you said, maybe that evens Mm -hmm. out a little bit. All righty. Well, let's keep rolling to another East uh, Eastern Conference game here. Miami-Milwaukee. This one's an interesting showdown. These two teams have faced each other the last two seasons in the playoffs. Some bad blood, maybe. The Heat obviously got the best of them two years ago. We know what the Bucks did on route to the finals. Giannis getting, getting his crown, the one he deserves. Um, what's interesting this year is, you know, these matchups have, really haven't been too close, right? And I... Don't recall watching both games, but you had a 124-102 home victory for the Bucks, and then a Heat victory at home, 113-104. The line was stock. Those two games were pretty close to each other, which is interesting. It's talking about the scheduling stuff that you mentioned earlier. A lot of times these guys are doing you know, home and homes a couple days apart or, or things that are clustered or even in the Indiana uh, Orlando game, just two games back-to-back in the same city. So you, know, you do have the line opening here a little bit lower, uh, for the Bucks, I think one thing interesting from a narrative standpoint is just when do the Bucks start getting rolling, right? They're a little healthier now. Do they start finally putting some of these pieces together? They smacked down against the Hornets the other night, uh, but they really haven't been right otherwise. That let, let down loss to Brooklyn, I think, was pretty telling. And you flip it over to the Heat, that locker room, that team, that thing is a well-oiled machine right now that Spultra has them running. So anything here from a number standpoint that jumps out to you or a side you lean towards? Yeah, I mean, the number is on the Heat, as you suggest. Okay. Um, Milwaukee did lay six and a half points on the road and lose outright 113-104. But again, I think that this is just a contaminated spot to cap. I think it's going to be razor, razor sharp. As you mentioned, the teams have played three times this year. All three games were not particularly close. I mean, the first one was by far the biggest margin. I believe 137-95. That was the second or third game of the year, just an absolute massacre. And then it came back. Milwaukee had a revenge spot off that just insulting effort, and they did hammer them by 22 points. Then the most recent one at nine. So when you see these big blowouts, 
I said it the other night with Dallas and Golden State that they were just they were just alternating blowouts and they were just really due on a tighter number to play a more you know playoff style tight game. I think that's what you're going to see here. I think this is where it goes from blowout, blowout, blowout. I think it's going to be tight. I think four and a half is razor sharp. I think it's going to be one bucket left or right of this line when it comes down to it. Yeah, and look, when you hear stuff like that, you can think if you are watching this game and enjoying it or you're into live betting, like that's where you could get some massive swings, right? And that four and a half maybe jumps to six, seven, eight, nine points because somebody gets a double-digit lead. Well, I'll tell you one thing. No double-digit lead is safe in the NBA. So that could be value going either way there, right? If that game is going to come back to center, back towards the four and a half, maybe even a little bit tighter, right? So just one thing to look for. Well, if we go back to the West, to the Denver Nuggets, Joker, the Joker himself, man, this is another massive spread. I think it's around 14 and a half right now. For me, it's tough to back OKC. Um, I've gotten them in some good spots. I think with OKC, they're they're young. They're going to play scrappy. They might keep a game close for a little bit. It's tough to back them for four quarters. But when you're getting 14 and a half, you know, what I like to look for, and I, I know you're very similar, is what's the spot that the other team is on, right? The number's telling what's the spot that Denver's in. So anything here with Denver, you know, hosting this game from a from a standpoint of any letdown opportunity against OKC? I think so, but I think there's a lot of merge going on here. Of course, you do get Denver on a dub six. Denver's really turned a corner. And, of course, that's without Jamal Murray. It's without Michael Porter Jr. He's coming back this month, I believe. They've just found something. you got to give a big, big shout to Nicole Jokic. I mean, the guy is just a, a pro's pro in and outside of the arc. I, I appreciate his game night in and night out. Uh, they do come in here, as I said, in a dub six. It is a letdown spot. But the other side of this, Oklahoma City comes in here 3-0 and ATS on the road last three, all at the east. We've documented this time and time again this year. Oklahoma City travels very well to the east specifically. I think that's mostly because Eastern opponents don't take them seriously at all. Western opponents do take them at least mildly more seriously. This line is very inflated. Um, Denver is actually 0-2 ATS this year against Oklahoma City, both in Oklahoma City. An outright blowout loss, 108-94 out of 6, came up to 7, telling you that they would revenge them. They did win the game. They did not cover 99-95. to but I think that's also telling you a snapshot to the sharpness of this environment on a set a seven line finishes at four. Come back in here. This open last night at minus 13. That's a Denver line. It's a spot. But again, Denver has not functioned well this year on double digit spreads. They're one in five ATS. Go back to the last couple of years. They were great. But again, I think that's mostly Jamal Murray just lighting up these bad teams. Oklahoma City comes in here in a weird spot. Denver's too hot. Lines inflated. Denver number. But, again, this is tough stuff here. No, absolutely. Stay away from me for now. Uh, the last game on the slate, another late one, is the Trailblazers Suns. This one has some interesting environments, too. You know, just looking at the last matchup, it was actually overtime. I think what makes it tough to cap the Suns, and I've actually been able to grab them, at least not the, if not the last two games, at least in the last one, a little bit of a fade spot. I just think this team is different without CP3. They were running super hot, well-deserved. The roster is still deep. Book, you know, that man, Devin Booker, can get his when he needs to. So they're going to be a fun team to watch down the stretch no matter what. But you lose your leader, you know, I think it does have a big impact. What's interesting here is this line is big, right? Minus, I think, 11 uh, without CP3 to me is pretty telling. But can you get behind that or can you get behind the Blazers? Actually, I just read that Devin Booker is out tonight as well. Ooh. And I think I, I we have to check this. I just read it yeah. like five minutes ago. 
I'm going to go bet this right now. <laughs> yeah, apparently health and safety protocols. I mean, I thought we were over oh, this. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard that in the in the league in a while. Yeah, I mean, again, got to check this out, but I think he might be out, so we don't know that. Um, yeah. In that case, this game is – we have to completely reevaluate. Um, it's The line's going to shift down significantly by at least two or three points, uh, and it's going to be tough. ESPN national game. Of course, when ESPN scheduled this game, they were not expecting the Blazers to be in this condition right now. This they were expecting game and CJ. Yeah, this is not your your typical national game here between a complete bottom feeder and probably the best team in the league. This game should not be a national game. This is going to be awful. Um, that being said, with Booker out, I mean, I don't even know what to say in this game right now. This is tough. Yeah, yeah. No, that's tough. I mean, look, I, I would lean if you can grab some inflated points probably with Portland, a uh, younger team that's played better in stretches. But wait for those, those nudes. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, you might be able to see other news updates. If one of us jump on this game, we will certainly tweet it out. But let's fast forward a little bit to Thursday through Saturday. We just want to do a couple minutes here, you know, five to 10, uh, not much more than that. So we'll try to keep it light and quick. The podcast will be out on Thursday. So hopefully you guys listen and follow this show. Obviously, we'll try to get you Wednesday and the best on Wednesdays that we can when it's me and Jeff and back and any special guests. We'll always have the shark back. Love this guy. Um but when you look ahead to Thursday through Saturday, maybe Thursday through Sunday, there's a slew of games, right? What makes it tough for us to do look aheads is one, we don't have lines. Two, we don't know the rosters. We just mentioned a couple things that pop up, right? So what we're going to do here is just touch on a few games and give you some potential angles to look at. Um, use that, listen. You might see what happens on a Thursday or a Friday. Could affect a game in a big way on a Friday or Saturday. So those are some of the little nuggets we want to talk about and bring up. But let's start and dive in. I got one spot, but I want to let you talk first. You mentioned a revenge spot for Thursday night. So tomorrow night, uh, March 3rd, 3-3-22. The Golden State Warriors against the Dallas Mavericks. I think you were on this game the other day, or maybe I was. I can't remember. It's all merged right now. But Dallas outscored them in the fourth quarter, 33-13 to to come back and win that game, right? 107-101 to in their last most recent matchup. So that revenge factor, how does that impact you going into the Thursday night action? Yeah, as you said, no line here officially, which is going to be really important for me capping the game. I want to see where the odds makers are putting this average. Yeah. But without knowing that, this is definitely going to be a solid look for the Warriors coming in here. As, as you said, just an abysmal, kind of incomprehensible melt in the fourth quarter. I don't know where that came from. And, of course, you watch NBA basketball. A lot of people say it's rigged. It's not rigged. They're human beings, right? You lose your flow. The other team gets a massive flow. It's hard to get back in there. And they were up significantly in that game. And, I mean, this is obviously an ex-championship roster times three. They know how to win and close games. But without Clay Thompson, without Draymond Green, it's a tough sledding sometimes with these guys. Steph Curry hasn't been shooting the basketball very well at all. But I do think when you get this close window revenge game, they will remember that. You get Dallas coming home off a road trip and covers. And at that point tomorrow, you will get the Warriors off a losing streak L2 outright, but they've been lackluster for 10 straight games here. The Dubs will need to turn up tomorrow. Of course, nothing official. Don't go nuts. People watching right now will be on there tomorrow with it. But I think the initial look, the Warriors tomorrow are really checking a lot of motivational narrative boxes here. I agree. It could be Warriors early, too. If you think they're at least going to come out, show out at home and get a little bit of a better, faster start, that might be a shorter line if the game stays pretty tight. But again, they opened as minus four the other night when they blew that lead away. Um, so if you see some strength right there, uh, you might see the shark on it. So listen, follow around. Um, so I'm watching that game. Another one I really like that I'm targeting, want to dig into a little bit more. And we talked about this, right? Teams that have played each other three times already. So now you have a lot of matchup data from the current season, which should speak 
to similar rosters, similar matchups, but this is the Bulls and the Hawks. And they played each other just a couple of days too. You know, that line was all over Atlanta. I, I grabbed Atlanta, Chicago minus three, total 240. The total was high. That game ended Chicago 112-108. I think it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Um, and then, you know, in a back and forth game, Chicago finally pulled away. Atlanta has not impressed me out of the gate. Like I've said, they've lost all three in this matchup back in December on the 27th and the 29th. They got smacked around in short window, 130 to 118, 131 to 117. Those were road at home. I forget which was which, but, you know, messy, sloppy basketball from the Hawks. They got it going a little bit into a stretch in January and February. I'd like to see them get back on track here. I'd like to see them finally put an end to the beatdowns. And I think the line's going to be pretty telling for a team that's lost three out of four, right? If there's any strength there. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I do think one one point, um, the fourth matchup of the year is very unique. Usually the revenge will come in game two or three. And if it doesn't, oftentimes we're, we're being told this is just the norm. It's not going to go the other way. Uh, and you, it's it's similar to a playoff series. Like, well, you'll you'll see a lot of series which just do they do go yep. one 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 one. If a team comes out and goes up three zero, there that's because their class is just you know significantly higher. Um, of course, Atlanta is hard to predict because Atlanta. This is going back to last year as well. Just does not motivate to play good ball for the first half of the year. So. If we could throw out those two early games, maybe we could because we can assume Atlanta's quality is much higher right now. Um, the motivation should be there. There's no question about that. But then you go to the Bulls all year. Other teams do motivate against the Bulls, but the Bulls just are of a higher class and they can get there. So, again, I have to look at the number and I have to look at the functionality of it and see if it tells a good story. You do want to take the Hawks, but I do think that's a key point. Revenge yep. doesn't always come in game four. If yeah. you've lost three already, oftentimes that becomes a trend and not something going the other direction. Yeah. And it's not like the playoffs where you might, maybe the spot is the gentleman sweep, a team right. wanting to get home to do it, but you hate to just rely on that motivation. So let the numbers do the talking, check that out for tomorrow. The late game on Thursday that I think is interesting is the Lakers and Clippers. I don't have anything on it just other than the fact that I know the Clippers have won some recent matchups there. At some point, the Lakers got to get going to stay in this playoff hunt. Uh, try to stay in seven or eight versus dip into nine or 10. So it's going to be interesting for them down the stretch. But the game I want to jump to on Friday and actually talk about a little bit more. We touched on Philly and the Knicks. On Friday, the Cavs come in, go to Philly. And this to me is really the first true test for Embiid and Harden, right? Let's assume they roll through the Knicks tonight, maybe casually, maybe it's a blowout. Maybe the Knicks sneak by and get one. But if they do roll through, and now you have a team coming in that defensively is a class above both the Knicks and the Timberwolves, I just wonder what the lack of depth is going to be able to do in this matchup for the Sixers, right? So obviously want to see the number, but I like the story coming in of Cleveland maybe being able to, you know, put a stop to some of the Harden and Bead, you know, stats that we mentioned before, right? It's just a better defensive squad, the way they're built, the size, the guys that maybe can bang or at least contain and beat a little bit. The, the Sixers do not have a backup center. So God knows what they do with those minutes against a bigger Cavs team. So Garland injury news, a thing to watch here. What both teams do on Wednesday, an interesting thing to watch here. But I lean Cavs if the number's there as well. Yeah, no, I think you make a great point. I mean, as we said before, the Cavs do have three seven-footers. Of course, Evan Mobley is not really a banger down low. Markkanen is not really a banger down low either. It is Jared Allen down there. Yep. But again, just having that height where they don't necessarily need to have the guys all on the block banging with Embiid, just to have the hands up and around could really be something that could get in his way. 
And we talk about just the functionality of Cleveland. Cleveland will be an underdog in this game which is where they function well. You don't want to get Cleveland laying eight and a half points at home. You want to get them on the road at like plus four and a half. That's where they function well. Uh, I think you're onto something here. I think this could be a Cleveland spot, but of course, two days away, we do want to get to the numbers of this when the lines come out. Absolutely. Another interesting game for me, look ahead on Friday is the T-Wolves and the Thunder. So you get the T-Wolves here playing well. I think a win-two streak, um, some tougher matchups, right? One, I think going on the road, one at home. You know, interesting to see here if they go in this little road game before they go back to a short homestand starting on Saturday, the, the next day, right? This is a Friday spot. Do they have a little bit of a letdown against OKC? Can you grab some points, maybe get close, maybe grab a first half spot if they start slow, right? And if they do lose outright, the reason I said these things build on each other is for me, if they have a bad spot against the Thunder on Friday, they could be a buy against the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday, right? Again, you want to see how this stuff stacks up, what happens with some of the line movements, but these teams play off motivation. Letdown spots are real. Motivation spots are real, right? The the thing that concerns me with both those Friday and Saturday matchups is neither team is really in the mix from a Trailblazers or Thunder standpoint, right? So is the motivation just lacking anyway? But I think you've been on the Wolves a lot, not necessarily what we see from them night in and night out. Yeah, no, I mean, the Wolves are another team that is really impressive. I mean, we talk about this all the time. People forget Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell are all top three picks. Yeah. You know, people don't necessarily think, oh, my God, like Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell. It's not like Michael Jordan, LeBron James. These guys are top three picks. That speaks to really solid uh, above-average quality, and they all are really all-star players. D'Angelo Russell is playing the best ball of his career. Anthony Edwards, of course, under 24 years old. Uh, he's right there with R.J. Barrett, the future of the league, potentially. But, you know, you look at this type of matchup. They go in there. The Wolves are hot. The Wolves have been hot. Do they ever let down? The You go back to a game they played at Detroit, of course, Detroit Eastern Conference, but similar weighting. They did cover by, I believe, two or three points late. Uh, and this is, again, it is March. If this was mid-November, this would be much more of a tank zone spot. The, the fact that these teams are in the back quarter of their calendar, they're not really reserving energy as much as they do back in November. So I would be hesitant to take the Thunder here just because, again, the Wolves want to play ball. They're not reserving energy, and they've shown the ability to get over these big spreads on the road regardless of the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, if they do tank for whatever reason, not that we're recommending that, um, but you can find Shark and Jay talking about it probably on Friday during the day. Again, they could be a good spot to target on Saturday with a little bit of a bounce back. So keep that in mind. Watch how these matchups build. The one I want to end on before we close out is a Saturday matchup. It's probably prime time, hopefully on ABC with football, you know, not in the way right now for the the association. And that's the Warriors-Lakers, right? We'll have to see how the Warriors do. Both of these teams will play on Thursday. Warriors at Mavs, Lakers at Clippers, but that's essentially a home game for an away team there. Um, but you have the Warriors and Lakers. This is a little bit of a revenge spot too, and just these two teams playing. So angles you're targeting early or, or anything you want to see for this matchup, potential leans? Well, I think you made the comment about the Lakers playing at the Clippers, uh, I believe, what, Thursday night? Thursday, yes. Yeah. So both these teams are in action Thursday, off Friday, back Saturday. Right. So I think going on that for a half second, um, the home team, in this, obviously playing in the same arena, Crypto.com, has not covered once this year. It's just the road the road underdog always covers for whatever reason. So I think, and again, the Lakers have been awful. One and six straight up. They haven't covered in three or four games. Yeah. yeah, and the Clippers, I mean, just a, a very loose lean. I do visualize the Lakers playing up to the Clippers and then potentially winning. 
to be honest. And then coming back against the Warriors and maybe getting hammered. Maybe getting hammered. But again, this is Saturday. we got to go into the details of this. Absolutely. You know, the, um, the problem there also is that theoretically, the Lakers off a one and six sample should improve mildly. So even if they do beat the Clippers, it doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to auto tank through the Warriors. Again, we got to look at the line and we got to see what's going on here. But if there was ever a spot the Lakers would play up, it would be a home game on national TV against the Warriors. Absolutely. You know, LeBron's going to show out. He wants to take care of Curry, get him out of the way. He did let Curry have the spotlight all star weekend, right? Getting yeah, that MVP. Absolutely. We know LeBron won it hitting the game winner, but he, he didn't get there. So I do agree with you. I think I have a, a slight lean, you know, before everything comes out to the Lakers tomorrow against the Clips. The, the, Matchup on Saturday night will be much more interesting. They did play on the 12th. The Warriors did not cover. They were minus six on a total of 225.5. So the thing soared over to, which might be an interesting angle to, to look at, but they only covered, or the Lakers covered rather. Uh, it was a Golden State dubs victory, 117-115. So should be tight, should be fun. It's Saturday night primetime. Shark, tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter. Plug the show with Jay. You guys do great stuff daily. I learned so much from, from both of you. Absolutely, absolutely. It's Shark Waters Nation at Sharks and Sports on Twitter. Uh, we do all sports. We chat life. We love to just dominate, respect each other, and really learn from each other as we get going in this life and hopefully make the world a better place as we go. I'll be on there at 5 o'clock this afternoon with Jay Money on Twitter. Follow Jay Money is Money on Twitter as well. My partner in the show, we love to do it for the people. And uh, two top plays dropping right now Indiana Pacers minus 120 money line, New Orleans Pelicans. I am on minus five. I wouldn't talk you off minus six here tonight. Uh, suddenly not so casual. Winning Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Anthony Latino, the odds fellow, old man who bets, co-host in Montana, skiing, drinking, partying, living, loving, and respecting. Thanks for having me, Ant. Close them out, and let's do it again soon. Always a pleasure. We'll definitely get you back here. I always need two cheesebees. Two cheesebees are better than one, especially the better looking one, the shark himself at Sharks and Sports on Twitter. He gave you two officials. I have a heavy lean on the Cavs right now, but just check out my timeline on Twitter at the underscore odds underscore fellow. I'll probably get those in a few other spots out tonight and for the weekend look ahead. So if you're listening, watching today, enjoy the show. Get these Wednesday picks. Let's cash these tickets. If not, enjoy the show. Hopefully you learn something for the rest of the weekend. We will be back because this is, this was, and this always will be short-term high volatility investments thanks for tuning in all cheers